Good morning, good evening, salutations to wherever you are, and at whatever time of day you're listening to this. What is this? Well, if you can hear the sound of my voice and recognize it, you know you've arrived. DC Comics News Spit Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 43, and this week, just like every week, I'm going to take a look at what I believe are the top five books coming out from DC Comics. This time around, we're talking about January 29th. That's right, you blink, and suddenly 2020 is already one month over. For my first choice, I'm taking a look at The Green Lantern, Black Stars, number three. Now, this story follows in the vein of many of the elements that were being established in the Lantern series by Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison continues here with issue number three of the three-issue Black Stars miniseries, and he's joined by Zermanico, providing the art, Steve Olaf with the colors, Steve Wands with the letters, a return to collaboration from Liam Sharp on the cover, with Derek Robertson and Diego Rodriguez providing the variant cover. And when we meet up with our story, it seems as though Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, who's now taken on the name of Black Star Parallax, has finally corrupted Superman's son, causing Superman and all the other humans in the universe to attack. And with that development, the recognition that whatever it is that Hal Jordan has been in the process of accomplishing over these last three issues as Parallax and with the Black Stars has come to a head. But with Hal, you never feel like he's always giving you the straight scoop, especially when it seems to go against his nature. Also, and this is just me, but throughout the 12 issue series, Green Lantern, I noticed that Hal had an ability to take on many of the deepest elements of police work, which is part of the procedural style and voice and tone that had been very prevalent in the 12 issue series, which to me meant there was also the ability on Hal's part to take on deep cover to go farther than would seem possible. It felt, in so many ways, like there had been a detraction from Hal Jordan's identity when he created a world of Moo using the impossible engine, impossible machine, the new, great, wondrous, all-powerful threat. Hal remembers many of the things that he might have had to suppress as part of his deep cover process. And because of that, Hal has also discovered that not everything he's being told appears the way it should. And his recognition for the details leads Hal to a moment where he has the opportunity to see just how powerful his will is. But there's one thing I love about Green Lantern. It's the way it recognizes how willpower is such a key component not only behind the ring, but behind the bears. And in this story, this conclusion of the three-issue miniseries, we not only get to see how provide another example of just how impressive and legendary his will is, but also the process that leads to him recognizing when it's something that he's no longer depending on 
and the dangers it's led to, and how, by returning to his greatest strength, his ability to stand and look anyone in the eye, anyone in the face, and take on any risk with a fearless quality that he's defined, we get to see a Hal Jordan who embodies the best elements of the Green Lantern and, I believe, the best elements of us. This Green Lantern's Black Stars three-issue miniseries ends on a powerful note with a very strong 5 out of 5 book I am more than proud to share with you today. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts on your score and your take on Green Lantern Black Stars and this conclusion with issue number 3. You've had a quick interruption. Don't let your ears deceive you if you hear a bit of snorbling in the background. That would be my French bulldog, Bruno, who decided he no longer wanted to stay down where he had been, on the couch, on a blanket. But when he got the pop's voice, he figured he had to come check things out. So, Bruno is with us as we look at my second choice. For episode number 43 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And we're going to take a look now at Batman in the Detective Comics Annual. Number three. I really love this story. There's been an adjustment period for all comic book fans when it comes to the recent developments in the Batman storyline by Tom King. Which led to the sudden loss of Alfred as a member of the Bat team and the Bat family. And with that loss, as all fans have learned to process this, there's been this development that I can only think of as being a, a mourning period, as one might associate with grief and the process of acceptance we all go through after a traumatic event. In this story, we have an opportunity to look back at the wonderful, mysterious past of Alfred. Peter J. DeBossi points out some lovely moments while telling a really lovely tale. He's both in charge of the story and the words, with Sumi Kumar offering up his artistic talents. Oh, I hope I got that right. Maybe I don't know who Sumit Kar is well enough. This would be a good incentive to do so. Ramulo Fajardo Jr. providing colors. Tom Napolitano providing the letters. With Steve Rude offering up a very poignant cover for this issue. In this story, not only do we have the opportunity to see this past of Alfred's and the nemesis that he once faced. But we also get the chance to learn a bit more about some of the deeper elements of the spycraft he was involved in. There was a woman from his past, one who has come now to Bruce Wayne, not because he can do anything, but because he's kind of a rich dilettante who might know some powerful people, and if there's any way he can pass that along, and would like to do so, well then can be of assistance to his old friend one last time on a case that was very important and one that couldn't be just fixed. Not only do we have the opportunity to develop all of this through the character 
who is introduced from his past, but we also get to see how she has developed her spycraft, the ability to always have an upper hand. And in doing so, she shows Batman a thing to. And this Detective Comics issue becomes a chance for him to see more about Alfred through the actions of a woman who knew him long before and who has no problem pointing out that the reason Alfred wasn't able to accomplish his final mission about revenge on an old nemesis had to do with some family obligation, an orphan child, one who desperately required his attention, and in doing so, required Alfred to give up his past life and take responsibility for his new future and also the young child who came with him. Through all of this leverage, we have an opportunity to see Batman not only come to grips in another step towards healing and recovering from the death of Alfred, but also we have the opportunity to see so many great things about what made Alfred and through him that powerful duo a relationship built on the strengths of friendship and stewardship and in the end its own love story much like i know tom king has said that his version of batman and his storyline was a love letter to batman it feels as though this story has the opportunity to tell a love story and also be written or read as a love letter between alfred and batman and it reminds me of a lovely note that Alfred had left for Bruce, knowing that the end was near, and wanting to make sure that he had a chance to convey some sort of comfort or solace to someone he could no longer be there to provide that in person. The healing process regarding Alfred is going to continue, it's going to be difficult, but with stories like these, not only can life truly be remembered piece by piece, memory by memory, also truly celebrated, truly recognized, truly seen as something that's a blessing now that the trauma begins to fade. I really loved Detective Comics Annual Number 3. I give it a 5 out of 5 so much for its storytelling, but even some lovely moments of art. There's one where Batman swings up, and you can see that great trace lining that's supposed to show the phases or shadows of his movement from the beginning of it to when it's executed and he's completed whatever the action might be. The, the details were very smooth, and it not only felt traditional, as though it's something I had seen before, but fresh, like I was seeing it either through a new lens in new light, or with a fresh take that felt so recognizable, and yet at the same time offered many things I'd never seen before. Looking forward to seeing just what the opportunities might provide for us should this pairing get together on another Batman story. Should we have the opportunity to see them work together again? Is there an upcoming issue with them? 
we'll have to check back to see if there is and if it does make it on an upcoming episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. With my second choice out of the way, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a short ad, give you some information, and in doing so, offer up some choices for you to consider before we get to our third, fourth, and fifth picks. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Now for this third choice, we have a really great opportunity to witness some very fine storytelling in Justice League Dark number 19. Writer James Titan IV, and thank you again to a good friend who pointed out some time ago the pronunciation of his name. It's an issue with me sometimes, so when I get someone like James Tynan IV's name correct, I feel better, because I'm not sure how well I might do Alvaro Martinez Bueno on pencils, Raul Fernandez providing the inks with Brad Anderson, offering up some beautiful colors, and Rob Lay with our letters. Yannick Pacwa and Nathan Fairburn provide a really very lovely and menacing cover, along with Gerardo Zafino and Rain Barreto offering up the variant cover for this issue. In our story, we open with a really nice series of moments, one with Manbat in his bad personality, but clearly, with all of his senses about him and conducting a scientific interview with Wonder Woman, and a very wonderful question about what is magic. From here, we get the chance then to see the moments leading up to what could have been Cersei's undoing of the Justice League Dark team, but instead comes with the arrival. If you remember her last issue, if you've been following this series, Wonder Woman made a deal for power. And now she arrives with that power. And despite all of the things that Cersei has done in order to make herself as 
powerful as she hoped, as invincible as she thought she was, when faced with the true menace that allows Diana to take on three different forms, and with each wield greater power than Cersei, her companions quickly begin to fall. And there's a lovely moment when Diana is speaking, not just with her voice, but with the voice of power she has joined herself to, and says to Cersei, they only were with you because you frightened them into doing so. And now that they can see you are weak, they'll not stand with you. And the quick dispelling of everyone is, well, it's quite masterfully done. Now, this doesn't mean that Cersei's out of the game, and she still makes one or two plays, one or two moments where she decides she's not giving up without a fight. She can fight dirty. She'll throw dirt. She doesn't care. Through all of that, this question is asked because the flashbacks throughout the issue come back to Diana and Kurt having the interview and talking about this concept of magic and how each person had a different response. Some were more like a look that uh, said more than any words could. But what is magic becomes a question that's asked and at least the answers are attempted in this story. And through that, we have a wonderful opportunity to dig deeper into the identity that Justice League Dark is creating for itself, and also for magic. It makes for some really fun moments that not only were enjoyable for me, but were a pleasure to talk about with you today, and why I was happy to give this a 5 out of 5. And that means there's only two left. Let's go ahead and take a look at choice number four. And that fourth choice is Suicide Squad number two. In this story, written by Tom Taylor, with art and cover provided by Bruno Redondo, we also get some very lovely and interesting colors. It reminds me in some ways of this very gritty sort of period of the 80s when there was elements of just sort of the grunge, the nastiness of the world, but also with this very lovely bright cartoon flair to the violence that feels like it's even older than that, as though the two are blending, as though it's a clash of worlds, the, the bright and the fun and the gritty and the dangerous and the unpleasant or unsuper heroic. This is joined by matching letters from Wes Abbott with a variant cover by Ryan Benjamin. <laughs> much, much like the uh, classic cover that comes with this issue, it takes on this spirit of Suicide Squad and it shows just this very strange, funny, vibrant, almost maniacal uh, expression and outward release. It, it's really something to me see. I encourage you to take a look. And then to look inside, because the story that we get is one that really made me curious. It opens with a moment set in the present with a series of confusing images and dialogue to a flashback. And the moment not long after Suicide Squad gained a group of 
new employees, teammates, co-doomed people. <laughs> After taking out one team, being an in charge who has since shown us that Amanda Walter was clearly taking it easy on the team, decides to make them members of the Suicide Squad, even though existing members had killed a few of the teammates, and there's no lost love, especially when two of those teammates were siblings, and one of them has its eyes on the killer, and has made no qualms about the fact that Bioshocks and other deterrents are only tests for what's going to be a violent response to the death of a loved one. Now, whether or not that comes into play in the rest of the story is a choice you have to make, because that's not the only narrative being told. And through this story, we have an opportunity to see just how many forces are at work in the original cast of the Suicide Squad, or at least the people who survived the first issue, their new teammates, and the responsibility of their missions. Now that they know that there's a quota of missions, and you give your freedom, considering how dangerous mission one was, well, number two certainly doesn't seem like a cakewalk, and it's only a question of how you make it through the next 48 it really makes for a lot of fun and sets a bar to be met and then once reached to potentially raise some questions. I think we're in for a good time. And I felt that so many of the things that were set up in this story do a wonderful job of creating that sense of uncertainty, which Tom Taylor made a really important point about when this uh, Suicide Squad was first being talked about. And when the idea was being discussed about what this new take would mean and how it would push the identity of the team, the understanding of the readers, and the concept of the Suicide Squad, so many decades after its first inception, shown not only through comics, but even in film, to have so many different lives, different lifelines, different sort of windows, and through that, how we are getting this new take on what has been now almost a classic idea. I think you're in for a great experience, which is why I have to give this a very strong 5 out of 5, and move right into our fifth and final choice. And for that fifth and final choice, I'm swinging the pendulum around to the recent editions of fantasy storytelling that have come from DC Comics. And for this one, I'm talking about The Last God, issue number four. The story by creator and writer Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Ricardo Federici, colors by Sonny Go, cartography by Jared Blando, with letters by Tom Napolitano, Backbatter design by Steve Wands, and cover by Kai Carpenter. There's an amazing gift to telling concurrent stories set 30 years apart, separated by an amazing width of time and also event 
And in this telling, we now have taken on a unique perspective because the events of the past have led to the recent jarring events of the present. And through this, we get the journey of two traveling parties, two parties who are seeking out an angle that's going to bring us a better understanding of not only what happened 30 years ago, but what must be done if anything can be to bring about a resolution to the present. Now, there's been the seed of an idea that the party from the past told a lie, and in doing so, kept secret the dangers that were waiting to come to fruition now, 30 years later in the present. But there hasn't been enough information about what that lie is. And so as the party from the past gets closer to a chapter that will make all of that clear, we're working through the relationships that have created this unlikely alliance, much like we are in the present, where those who might have taken positions based on events over the past 30 years are forced to, mostly for survival, and to try and stave off a horrifying enemy like the Flowering Dead, has created this ability to show two developing understandings, not only for the characters in the story, but for us as the reader, as the person being entertained. And through this, we really get this moment where these two narratives are not only crafting those stories, they're creating a backstory and a wealth of information that can be used to help the reader gain so much more insight to this world and because of that the world building that's established not only here in the actual story but in these great end sections which go into the deep history and delve so richly into all of the ideas that have shaped who the people are now and the layers and generations that these stories have undertaken because they become such a fabric now they become such a and we've got Bruno snarling around a little bit and the noises of the day emerging with us. And with that, there's this amazing ability to sink in so much deeper to the story, get lost in these paragraph after paragraphs of rich history, story told through song, story as captured, much like you would expect in fantasy literature in these beautiful tomes, posterity, austerity, and the understanding that no one knows who's going to read them, but for us as a reader, their discovery, they are something we get to enjoy to such a degree that it's really hard to put them back down without hoping that each new issue will provide more of the same and that someday when they're all collected, it can be read again and again, and with that, a deeper and richer understanding than could have been achieved the first time around is made possible through the continued reading. It's really quite a treat, and I love seeing 
these great elements of fantasy that were so much a fabric of my childhood and awkward teen and probably even awkward young adult years that it was really a joy to come across it as it's been presented in the last cut and to share that with you as part of this episode of the DC Comics News Spin and Wrap. But of course, that means, with our fifth and final choice, that we have come to the end of the DC Comics New Spinner Rack and this episode, episode number 43. I'd like to thank you for joining me, for listening to my wonderings and ramblings, and for allowing me to share some insights and the opportunity to consider books that may not have been on your radar, but could be worth your consideration after... Uh, some thoughts from first truly. Bruno has moved downstairs, but his starveling is growing richer and deeper, so I'm going to take a break, make some coffee, and move into the next part of my day. But with that, a few reminders to keep on your itinerary, if not just on your radar. DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms, so wherever you're listening to, you can find it or let others know where to find it, how to share it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. So please head over and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. And then if you're feeling just a bit frisky, rate and review. Let us know what you think. You can find us on all the social media channels, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. Use the at symbol and DC Comics News, all is one word. That's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. And if you have another platform you think we should engage with you and those you know who would enjoy our content, please feel free to let us know. We love hearing more about what you know and how we can share more of us with you and those you know will also enjoy it. A little shout out to my good friend, Mr. Steve J. Ray. If you haven't had a chance to check him out, he joins me on a regular basis uh, with so many other great people on the DC Comics News podcast. And much like the Spinner Rack, he has now taken on his own show, I Am the Knight, episode by episode breakdown and discussion with his son Adam, as well as potential guests. Don't know who they are, if they're out there, or if that's something that I should reveal. So I'll let you make that discovery when you check out I Am The Night, and of course, the weekly news and information we break down and share with you every week on the DC Comics News Podcast. This has been the DC Comics News Spinback episode number 43. I've been your host, Singleton, and like we like to say here, I only have one last reminder for you. Read more comics. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Can't wait to join you next time.